Blog Talk Radio. Success is not always about what we think we need to share of ourselves with the world, but moreover, it's what's needed in the world that we can pull from our experiences that are still in the realm of our proven accomplishments. We need not be fearful, just careful to ensure success. We don't need to proceed with haste, nor should we hesitate, but just know that everyone out there that needs what you have to offer that special talent or skill that you hold so dear needed it long before you even had a notion to share so if you won't someone else will if we're honest with ourselves about what people need from us that makes them happy solves a problem or helps them to succeed we will discover a business relationship that will expand our horizons and maybe even our bank account. All we need to do is talk to the right people, ask the right questions, listen intently, and discern a measure of truth. Many of us come to church with an expectation of corporate worship, being filled with the Spirit, Bible teaching, seeking the presence of the Lord, and meaningful fellowship. But as Christian believers, there will come a time when your new member status has expired and you feel a greater calling that Sunday service and Bible study seem to have prepared you for. 
Yes, eventually, there'll come a time when we will no longer just look for what we can get for ourselves from the church for our benefit, but rather what we can commit of ourselves for the benefit of the church. My pastor, Dr. Leonard N. Smith of Mount Zion Baptist Church of Arlington, Virginia, has been preaching to us about new things in 2019, tapping into our spiritual gifts and talents and become creators of new things. In order to experience new things, we have to break some old habits and make a plan and see it through. You know, there's a lot going on in the world today that inserts into our psyche false goals, desires, and perceptions that give fictitious value to things that leave us dissatisfied and empty. I'm talking about the black mirror. Not just your cell phone, but all of the screens, including your TV and tablets, that device that we think keeps us connected, that has somehow found a way to disconnect us from the life that we were meant to live. We've trained ourselves to spend a large part of our day interacting with people we don't really know, receiving praise for content that we didn't create or even contribute to, and searching for things that we didn't think that we needed to know until we found it. We feel that something is missing. There's too much in our day-to-day that keeps us busy with nothing to show for it. We want something more. We want to matter, and we want to have a positive impact in the lives of others. Somehow we're lost, and we are struggling to find our way back home. It didn't used to be this way. Some of you that have been searching for a greater calling and greater purpose in your life may have overlooked an opportunity to take a stand and make a difference that has been right in front of your eyes. I'm talking about the body of Christ, also known as the church. I myself have been appointed to a position in the church by my pastor, Dr. Leonard N. Smith of Mount Zion Baptist Church. Now, this has afforded me a purview that many may never see. These are the volunteers, missionaries, ministry leaders, and church staff that are truly the backbone of the church, that work tirelessly behind the scenes to do the work needed to create the worship experience that we have grown accustomed to. So yes, I've seen with my own eyes the dedication, the time spent after hours, the talent and passion for the work that they do to sustain the church as we see it from the pews. We are becoming a kingdom-focused church at Mount Zion Baptist Church, and we're blessed to have over 50 active ministries to choose from. Now, most serve as volunteers, but you see, it's not about prestige, position, or compensation. It's about service. I know I've lost a few of you right there, but trust me, it's just one of those things that you just don't get it until you get it. Stay with me. Here's some clarification. In Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 6 in the Message Bible, we read, In this way, we are like the various parts of a human body. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. The body we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. Each of us finds our meaning and function as a part of his body. 
but as a chopped off finger or cut off toe, we wouldn't amount to much, would we? So since we find ourselves fashioned into all of these excellently formed and marvelously functioning parts in Christ's body, let's just go ahead and be what we were made to be. Without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other or trying to be something we aren't. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 14 through 18 in the Message Bible, we read, I want you to think about how all of this makes you more significant, not less. A body isn't just a single part blown up into something huge. It's all the different but similar parts arranged and functioning together. If foot said, I'm not elegant like hand embellished with rings, I guess I don't belong to this body. Would that make it so? If ear said, I'm not beautiful like eye, limpid and expressive, I don't deserve a place on the head. Would you want to remove it from the body? If the body was all eye, how could it hear? If all ear, how could it smell? As it is, we see that God has carefully placed each part of the body right where he wanted it. We all have an important role to play, and God has already prepared us for how he would use us for his kingdom, using the abilities and spiritual gifts that we already possess and those that he will increase for his purpose. But yet it is still up to us to step out on faith and take the steps to do the very same thing that we're not sure that we can do. But that in itself is the problem. You see, it's not about you and your abilities and whether or not you know how to complete the task or if you've done it before. It's about faith and being obedient to what God has told you to do and your willingness to start the process with purpose. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 12 in the Amplified Bible, it reads, And his gifts to the church were varied, and he himself appointed some as apostles, special messengers, representatives, some as prophets who speak a new message from God to the people, some as evangelists who spread the good news of salvation, and some as pastors and teachers to shepherd and guide and instruct. And he did this to fully equip and perfect the saints, God's people, for works of service to build up the body of Christ, the church. You see, when you use the spiritual gifts and abilities to serve, it's truly a blessing to see how far you can take them. Your true blessing is in pleasing God and in seeing him expand on the gifts that he has instilled in you to be a blessing to others. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, in the Amplified Bible, it reads, For we are his workmanship, his own masterwork of art, created in Christ Jesus, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, ready to be used for good works which God prepared for us beforehand, taking paths which he set so that we would walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us. 
1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 6 in the Amplified Bible says, Now there are distinctive varieties of spiritual gifts, special abilities given by the grace and extraordinary power of the Holy Spirit operating in believers. But it is the same Spirit who grants them and empowers believers. And there are distinctive varieties of ministries and service, but it is the same Lord who is served. And there are distinctive ways of working to accomplish things. But it is the same God who produces all things in believers, inspiring, energizing, and empowering them. Well, before I go, I just want to thank all of you for the work that you do. Not just at Mount Zion Baptist Church, but at all churches that represent the body of Christ. I see you. I love what you do. And I admire your service and commitment. I just wanted to take a minute to help you push past the noise and remember from where your blessings flow. Well, enough talk. Let's get back to work. You just needed a minute to shake it off. Gather a moment of clarity and refocus on a measure of truth. If I may paraphrase Stephen King, the most important things are the hardest things to say. These are the things you feel ashamed of because mere words only diminish the thought. You see, words shrink things that seem limitless when they were in our hearts and minds to no more than just living size when brought out into the open. Oh, but it's more than that, isn't it? You see, the most important things lie too close to wherever your secret heart is buried. Like landmarks to a treasurer, your enemies would love to steal away and use against you at the worst possible moment. But still, you make revelations that cost you dearly, only to have people look at you like you're crazy, not understanding what you've said at all or why you thought it was so important that you almost cried when you were saying it. Do you know what's even worse than that? Is when the secret stays locked within and you can't get it out. Not for want of the courage to talk about it, but for want of someone who will just listen. Just listen. As someone who spends a great deal of time searching for the truth, the lesson that I've learned from this quote is, if you want the truth, you have to be prepared to release all judgment and be open enough to hear and accept the truth in whatever form it might take. Judgment alters the truth by changing how it's told or presented. Not accepting the truth stops the bearer from sharing the truth. Ignoring the truth kills ambition and is a recipe for disaster and makes success impossible. We all over the years have learned to guard ourselves against deception, but I've also come to realize that in most cases, you don't even have to discover or discern the truth. You just have to let it be and see it for what it is. Maybe you have a story too. It doesn't have to be just like the one we've heard. 
Hey, I just want to let you know, I'm here, and I'm willing to listen. All I ask from you is a measure of truth. I have told this story before, but it, it looks like it might need some updating. This all started with a sermon my pastor, Dr. Smith, preached on one Sunday morning on joy. As they often do, his sermons have a resounding impact and have an interesting way of manifesting its lesson in my day-to-day life. Some time ago on my way home, I was stopped at a traffic light just before entering my neighborhood, and I was thinking to myself just how much better my commute was than it was the day before. Earlier that week, I took my usual shortcut behind the mayor's office, and this was some time before our D.C. mayor, Vincent Gray, was in office. My wife and I saw then-mayor Adrian Fenty in his new smart car, and he waved at my wife and I, but I couldn't get my camera out fast enough, and I missed a great photo opportunity. So the very next day, being better prepared, I tried again. But the weather was bad, and, of course, so was the traffic. And I got stuck behind the mayor's office for over 20 minutes. When I got home, I was so beat. I went straight to my office and got myself a 40-minute acupressure infrared heat massage, and that brought me back to life. But today, traffic was a breeze. And at the traffic light, I happened to look over to the car next to mine, and I saw a beautiful three-year-old little girl staring out of the window in her car seat in a daze. I smiled as I thought about how wonderfully simple our lives were back then when we were children. Then she noticed me, and she smiled back, and I looked away to see if the light had changed, and when I looked back, I smiled again and saw her looking at me, and then she started laughing hysterically, only the way a three-year-old could. So I laughed as she laughed, and the light turned green, and I waved goodbye and proceeded home. And as I was driving, I thought to myself, you know, if that would have occurred just yesterday, even after my 90 minutes in traffic, that would have been all I needed to snap me back to life. A three-year-old smile versus my expensive massage bed. Well, the kid wins hands down. On the drive through my neighborhood, I had an epiphany. How many things have I placed in my life to make up for not taking the time to really enjoy all the simple joys life has to offer? Well, I'm sure I'm not the only one. Many of us have forgotten how to enjoy and appreciate the little things or even the small steps of our accomplishments or the little likes in our relationships or the small things in life that bring us joy in the pursuit of things that would bring us greater happiness. We have become impatient and always looking ahead to the thing that brings us what we perceive to be the source of our happiness. Webster's defines joy as the emotion evoked by well-being, success, or good fortune, or by the prospect of possessing what one desires. Be careful in life that you do not lose your joy. Research shows that if you do, the loss of good health is not far behind. Take time out to enjoy the little things. Rejoice in reliving life's joys through sharing them often with others and 
take a moment to relax in your moment of peace through your joy instead of the empty pursuit of pleasure. If you ever lose sight of life's joy, take every step in your power to reclaim it as soon as possible. Your first step to reclaim true joy in life is to just look to God. He's always willing to show his glory to all who are willing to seek. Just take a moment to look and you will find his joy all around you. But if you still need a starting point, just look in the eyes of a child. The younger, the better. There you will find true joy, or in other words, joy and the measure of truth. This message is more for me than it is for you. But for some reason, I felt compelled to share it. I have quite a few of these messages that I write, but I tend to keep them to myself. But this one just would not let me tuck it away with the rest. Although I've added and changed a number of phrases to make this message more broad and speak to a more diverse group of those in need, please know that I'm not talking about anyone in particular. This message was first and foremost for me. Welcome to my world. You know, the world has become obsessed with the selfie. A self-portrait that often gives the subject control over how they are portrayed in a given environment. And a photograph that allows them to capture an image of themselves as they want to be seen, but not necessarily the way things actually appeared at the time of the photo. This allows them to make a number of adjustments and corrections to make their appearance or their life seem far more interesting. When we have too much control over how we appear to others without doing the work, it detracts from who we need to be, and we forget about growing spiritually and not just appearing better. We lose focus on what is true about ourselves, our God-given purpose, the thing that makes us special and unique. Take a close look at your life. Are you where you want to be, or are you where you need to be? Well, they're probably one and the same. Well, let me explain. If you're not where you want to be in your life, but you're doing nothing to change the state that you're in, then you must be where you want to be, even if it is just for lack of effort. But sometimes we're in a place in our lives where it's not where we want to be, but still we understand that it's where we need to be in this season in order to gather the knowledge, wisdom, and understanding needed it to take us to that next destination. Do me a favor. When you get a chance, close your eyes and think of anyone that you respect and admire and that in your opinion lives a life that you could only dream of or even hope to achieve or surpass their level of success. Think about the things that you admire about them the most. Their wealth, talent, uh, intellect, or even their swag or ego or confidence. Believe it or not, you will find that the greatest difference between you and them 
and the key secret to their success in life, and the key to yours as well, is this small thing that everyone has access to. And I mean everyone, rich, poor, old, young, no matter your race or gender. So that's the good news. We all have what it takes to achieve unimaginable success. But the real question is, do we want it bad enough to do absolutely everything it takes to achieve it? Well, we're about to find out. Most of our life experiences are deeply rooted in a small, seemingly inconsequential events that occur day to day. The choices that we make in our interactions with people, the steps we take towards our personal success in the work that we do, and how we manage and utilize our time, knowledge, skills, and abilities. Each of these bring with it a new or familiar experience, an opportunity to use our knowledge and wisdom from past successes or past mistakes to foresee the consequences of our actions so that we will make good decisions and lower our risk of negative outcomes. This thing that has taken over our lives and enslaved us has no regard for a life best lived. It is that day-to-day routine called habit. Yes, your habits are so much a part of who you are that what you do and what you say are all shaped by your habits. When friends or someone who thinks highly of you talks about you, they often describe your admirable traits as a result of your good habits. Conversely, when someone speaks poorly of you, they often speak of things that are lacking that are direct results of your bad habits. You know, just as on the Internet you are who Google says you are, in the real world you are who your reputation is based on and what your habits portray you to be. Believe it or not, your bad habits are literally wasting your life stealing your success, destroying relationships, siphoning your finances, and leaving you bitter, depressed, angry, and resentful. In short, most of your bad decisions, mistakes, squandered opportunities, love lost, emotional outbursts, rude and reckless behavior, broken relationships, and lack of self-control, and a host of others, are all things that you expertly do without thinking and are all rooted in this silent beast called habit. Wikipedia references the American Journal of Psychology of 1903, and it defines habit this way, and I quote, A habit from the standpoint of psychology is more or less the fixed way of thinking, willing, or feeling acquired through previous repetition of a mental experience. Habitual behavior often goes unnoticed in persons exhibiting it because a person does not need to engage in self-analysis when undertaking routine tasks, So if habits are a fixed way of thinking, surely our bad habits, our brokenness, can be fixed. And since it is acquired through repetition of a mental experience, it's also something that we can engage in without thinking about. If we create new good habits 
In time, we will not even have to think about our good habits to reap their rewards. Here's the kicker. We often delegate some of the most crucial and life-altering decisions in our lives to something that has a frightening amount of control over us and may very well choose the life we lead with little or none of our thoughtful input. This is because our bad habits have the power to nullify our good decisions, no matter how passionate or well-intended. And yet we pretend that it's something that we cannot change because it's just the way we are. This is how God made me. It's complicated. I beg to differ. We do have control over who we are, how we live our lives, and how we treat others. So every day that we wake up and are given the blessing of leaving our mark on this day, we have the opportunity and the obligation to change the world for the better by changing who we are, what we contribute in our lives, and the lives of others. Here's an interesting observation. Every buzz, beep, or chirp of our phones are literally retraining our minds to act before we think. And because this has become so common, this abnormal behavior is now deemed acceptable and no cause for alarm. Watch the news tonight, and you will find numerous stories of people who acted out before they thought of what they were doing or the consequences of their actions. When watching these events, we often say to ourselves, Who does that? What did they think would happen? What were they thinking? The truth of the matter is, they were not thinking at all. Our habits may or may not land us on the 6 o'clock news, but if we don't think first, the odds of us making wise decisions are just left to chance. And when the odds don't fall in our favor, we encounter numerous negative outcomes and repercussions that add no value to our lives and occupy time that could be better spent on something positive and redeeming, like success. Bottom line, we need to reclaim the time we waste by not taking control over our actions if we want better lives for ourselves and our loved ones. So as you can see, this is pretty serious stuff. So what can you do to prevent your eventual decline down this slippery slope? Well, I'm about to tell you. So if you need to take notes, here is where you want to start. Okay, after this mental beatdown, I owe you at least this, so here's the cure. And I have to say, for those of you who will pray about it first, will have far more success than those who won't. Sorry. I don't make the rules. If you want more power over your life, you have to go to a higher power. Wikipedia also notes that the habit-goal interface or interaction is constrained by the particular manner in which habits are learned and represented in memory. Specifically, the associative learning underlying habits is characterized by the slow, incremental accrual of information over time in procedural memory. Habits can either benefit or hurt the goals a person sets for themselves. So before you set goals for yourself that you can actually attain, you first have to change your habits. 
So here's how to get started. It's as easy as this one simple affirmation that will help you to master success. Here it is. When I see the need to do better in my life, I will center my focus on doing different things and doing things differently. If you are truly committed, either one or both of these things will plant the seed of success. Here it is again. When I see the need to do better in my life, I will center my focus on doing different things and doing things differently. Although it seems simple enough, the results are amazing. If you listen to the story of any successful person or anyone who's done anything great, you will always hear this familiar phrase or something similar that they often describe as an epiphany. The Cambridge Dictionary defines epiphany as a moment when you suddenly feel that you understand or suddenly become conscious of something that is very important to you. Dictionary.com says a sudden intuitive perception or insight into the reality or essential meaning of something, usually initiated by some simple, homely, or commonplace occurrence or experience. In the real world, it sounds more like this. You hear someone tell their story and they would say, When such and such happened, I made a decision. I said to myself, I promised myself. I told myself, from now on, I will never, I can't let that happen again, as long as I live and breathe. When I said that, my whole life changed for the better. So that's it, in a nutshell. You have to be able to make a promise to yourself and keep it. I have to be honest with you. For many of you listening, it all ends right here because many of you don't know how to make and keep a promise to yourself. It's sad but true. You know what's funny about someone who can't keep a promise is that when they make a promise that they won't keep, it's always one that would be too difficult for anyone to keep. So when they fail to keep their promise, it's that it was too hard to keep. And even though you didn't make the promise, they will happily inform you that you couldn't keep that promise either. So you're no better than they are to call them out on it. But I don't want to leave anybody out. So I will add something for you if this is your challenge as well. That's the awesome thing about what I'm asking you to do. Even if you can't keep a promise to yourself, it's the first bad habit you can break by keeping one small promise to yourself. Here's a small promise that everyone can keep. Look, this is not difficult, but it does require some preparation. You really need to make a big deal out of this and give it all of your attention and intention. Look at yourself in the bathroom mirror and say to yourself with all the intensity and conviction you can muster, and I mean look yourself square in the eye and say to yourself and really, really mean it, and know that nothing will keep this from happening, come hell or high water. Promise to yourself that every day I am able, I 
will wash my hands. And after you say that, wash your hands. Oh, that's not the end of the exercise. After you wash your hands, I want you to look at yourself in the mirror and say to yourself with the same power and strength, I mean, puff out your chest and say, I did what I said I would do, and I kept my promise. I know this may seem silly to some, but if you do this, I promise you, you will never see yourself the same. From this point forward, without even thinking about it, whenever you wash your hands, you will remember your promise and know that you are capable of keeping your promise. You will also understand that you are capable of doing above and beyond what you promised. You will also note that you kept your promise very early in the day and did not take much effort to keep your promise. Eventually, every time you even hear running water, you will remember your promise and knowing that you are a man or woman of your word will give you a sense of self-assured confidence that you can't even imagine. This is so powerful. I challenge you to try it. With that being said, let me warn you. What I'm offering you is a little guidance. And just as your GPS will help you to get to your destination, it will not put gas in your car. It will not signal the turns along the way. It will drop you at your destination. But what you do when you get there is all up to you. Just as you need to program your GPS so that it will provide the guidance, you need to program your mind and be clear about your destination in order for you to get there. It's your life. You need to do the work. You need to take the steps to make it happen. Are you still with me? By now, I'm sure that I've lost quite a few, but that's okay. I'll be the first one to say that this message is not for everyone. This message is not about Facebook likes or attempts to blow up my Twitter feed. I don't expect this message to be popular. I expect it to help someone who really thinks that they need some guidance in making positive changes in their lives. That's all I want is to help someone in need find this message when they need it the most. Take control over their lives and become a wellspring of love, peace, and prosperity and positive vibes wherever they are right now. If you're really serious about making incredible changes in your life, you need to make some commitments. Not to me or anyone else, but to yourself. You have to commit to yourself that this is truly what you want and are willing to do to add to your life everything that you feel you need to live a prosperous life. So herein lies another great secret to success that we have all heard before, but few have really understood its relevance. So here's the work. Start paying close attention to the things that you do without thinking. Your habits. Note things that you feel that are your bad habits and why they are bad. The consequences of these bad habits and 
what you hope to be the result of the change. Next, you need to figure out if you will do things differently or do different things or both to break that habit. In our previous example of washing hands, we chose to do things differently. We added to this simple everyday task a new objective to not only clean our hands but to remind us of our promises that we make to ourselves and to create and enforce a habit of keeping our promises. Sometimes it's best to replace your habit with another good habit and create a positive act to take its place. A positive habit reaps positive outcomes. So not being a bad habit is not enough. It has to have a positive return. So you'll need to envision what your new good habit will do for you in your life and document if this is an action that will get you there. There are many ways to fail, but you have fewer options for success. But with that, the bonus is is you have less options to choose from to get it right. So if one doesn't work, move on to another. Grab a calendar and track the success of your new habit for 30 to 35 days as a solid new behavior and note how it has changed your life. With practice and success, you can start with one habit a month and work your way up to six or seven new good habits a month. And in the process, the new life of happiness and prosperity that you've been waiting for. That prayer piece is very important as well. But I do understand that some of you may have an aversion to prayer and may not even believe in God at all. I just want you to know that whether or not you believe in God, God still loves you. Some of you may have the wrong impression of God in thinking that he's always angry and looking for every opportunity to punish us for our sins. But this is not the case at all. In the Bible, it clearly states in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Verse 12, Then you will call on me, and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. It all begins right there. If you call, he will listen. No matter how bad you think your life is right now, it can all turn around in an instant, if you believe. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 through 10 says, But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then... I am strong. These timeless principles are based on the wisdom of the ages and will never become passé. So no matter when you hear this message, the results will be the same. 
So don't concern yourself about what others may say about your new self and the haters who will surely try to derail your success. Haters are going to hate. So be prepared. You will be surprised at how many people who will see your changes and your progress, who will encourage you one day and then try to pull you backwards and undo the work that you've done the next. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12 says, We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves. They are not wise. As you can see, this is something that all of us can do at some level to take control over our lives by choosing our own path and arrive at a destination that we have the power to choose for ourselves that need only be based on who we are right here and now. The only thing you need to get started is God and the motivation. Failure is not an option. It's an opportunity. Look, I'm not perfect, and though I've made many mistakes, I'm not a failure. Why may you ask? Because I rarely give up on anything. I'm not afraid to take a chance and be wrong. Why? For in every mistake hides a lesson called wisdom. And guess what? I'm not concerned with what others may think about my failed attempts. That's just me. It has become a part of who I am, and I'm cool with that. The truth is, when others would watch me and criticize my actions and assume that they were watching me do it all wrong, in actuality, they were watching me learn, grow, become wiser, and eventually an expert in the very thing that I would later accomplish and then master. This has been the way I've learned since I was a child, and it's a process that I've embraced to this very day because it is the most effective way of learning that I know. A very wise man once said, There is a positive side to everything that we survive in our lives. Every defeat, hurt, Humiliation or sickness will either lead us to a better place or change the way we live our lives. Even the man who attempts the thing that was once thought impossible very often has little competition. What I'm saying is, don't be afraid to fail. Look, don't plan to fail, but be not afraid. We don't always get to choose how we will be taught life's lessons. Our only choice is how we choose to respond. We cannot simply say that maybe things will go my way next time or blow off our mistakes and then try again. We must resolve to learn the lesson hidden in our errors, stay true to ourselves, and the goal of the better person that we know that we're going to be through our trials and resist our negative responses, attitudes, and placing blame on others. If we don't, truth be told, you have less time than you think 
to get it right. I guess what I'm really trying to say is that it's okay to fail. As long as your failure is driven by a quest for knowledge, wisdom, and a measure of truth. The time has come for us to learn to analyze and scrutinize the things that we have conveniently come to believe as factual through repetition from what is actually the real truth. We have somehow been led to slaughter by our refusing to ask the questions that would hopefully make sense of the rhetoric, if indeed the rhetoric made any sense at all. We have our suspicions for good reason, but so often we find it much easier to go along, to get along, rather than ask the questions that would lead us to the truth. Have we grown so accustomed to being lied to that the lie now has become the thing that we desire? Have we lost our taste over the years for what is real and factual because we would rather be entertained than informed? How is it that we would rather focus on one tiny fragment of the aftermath than the root, the source, and the cause? What then stops us from opening the debate that would bring about the key changes needed to break the cycle of injustice? Have we been made to feel powerless or are we just unconcerned? What will it take to wake up, America? In this age of information technology, there is more usable, factual resources available to the average individual through the Internet that could have ever been available to even the most learned scholar just 15 years ago. But we still choose to be spoon-fed rather than research, debate, and discern the truth for ourselves. Now we find that we're so brainwashed that our attention now locksteps to the next scandalous, exaggerated, emotion-driven headline, while the truth sits unnoticed, in plain sight, yet another day. I, for one, refuse to be a part of this brainwashing of the masses, this decline in intellect, this surrender of conscience, so where do you stand in the scheme of things? Free thinker with a mindset to seek out and devour the truth regardless of its source or just another cog in the wheel of blind complacency? Well, of course the choice is yours. But as for me, no matter how much garbage you try to heap in my direction, I will always maintain a healthy appetite for a measure of truth. Everyone at some level desires to be loved and respected. And I get that. I'm no different. But most importantly for me, is I want to be able to live my life authentically. And be all that I am or any part of me that I choose to share at a moment's notice. At my own discretion. And on my own terms. This is a freedom that I hold very dear. I'm proud to say that there's a lot more to me than what's portrayed in my online profiles and not the other way around. And I'm happy to report that many of you can say the same. We all have a role to play in this vast experiment we refer to as social media. 
Many of you are feeling the pressure or burden of public life because of the up-close and personal interactions of your followings, who somehow are under the illusion that they are your closest friends and therefore have the right to say and share comments and opinions that should never be part of the written timeline of your social media interactions. Every post, tweet, Instagram, or YouTube video is a gamble, and it's a process once initiated that can at any given moment spiral hopelessly out of control. But it's your choice to participate and at your discretion as to how far down the rabbit hole you choose to venture. But at all costs, don't let yourself be consumed because you failed to think it through. Social media has a life of its own after the post. What you meant for good could very well get lost in translation in the blogosphere. Many of us have been able to amass huge followings, and that in of itself is a great achievement. But this was never my goal. To be honest, I care far less about my image and what people may say or think about me than I do about being true to my purpose. To provide words of wisdom and encouragement to a listening ear or providing a platform for a voice that needs to be heard. Some of you have become a slave to your phone, responding to every chirp, buzz, or notification like a puppet waiting for your master's next command. While in the meantime, while you busy yourself with your prompt reply or trendy hashtag, life is happening all around you without your valuable input. While you sit on the bench waiting for the balance to shift, in your favor. Life is happening right here and now. But if you're not present and in the moment, are you really living? Stop living your life in snippets that you hope to share more than you hope to live to the fullest. What's my point? Well, I'm not looking to prove anything to you as much as I would like to share with you a pathway to release some of the burdens that you've attached to yourself. Live your life unbound and fully aware of the potential around and within you. There is a path to navigate through the madness and see a way clear to the light at the end of the tunnel. Have I fully divested myself from this manic behavior? No but I have refused to allow social media to get a stranglehold on me. And the reason that I believe that I have been successful is because that I've not allowed these interactions to take priority over God, family, friends, and real-life experiences. Most of all, I've not allowed the desire to be popular or liked change who I am. In an attempt to hide my flaws and only show my most favorable side to promote a stellar brand identity. Let me ask a question. Does 500 likes on Facebook mean that anyone really likes you? Don't be fooled. I would much rather just be real. There's no pressure in just being yourself. 
Although I have put myself in the position to offer both the professional and the personal side of my life, it does not mean that I'm willing or even capable of being shaped or molded into the person that you would have me to be. This is what I know. No matter how precise your measurements, I will never fit into the box you have for me. When it's all said and done, if you can't go out into the real world without feeling the pressure to be restricted to just one facet of who you are all the time, maybe you're doing it all wrong. I'm no expert, but I am who I am 100% of the time. And I don't feel pressure to be anyone else or just show a portion of who I am to fit in and not stand out. If you're afraid to be yourself, you need to sit back and think it through and figure out what it is you're truly afraid of. Just be honest with yourself. That's the first step to remove the mask that would hide your true identity. No matter what people might say, there's really only one measure of who you are, and that is a measure of truth. <laughs>